Hey, how's it going, everybody? Chris Trapasso here. Welcome into another episode of the Prospect Podcast. And this episode is, of course, dedicated to what else? NFL Cutdown Day, the one of the more fun mass chaos events on the NFL calendar. Me, as a draft analyst, I liken it to what occurs right after the NFL draft concludes, which is that frenzy of undrafted free agents signing with teams. Every team gets kind of a class of undrafted free agents every single early May, and we had a bunch, like 900 total players cut yesterday. There will be a few procedural moves where some players that initially made a team will go to IR, so some players that were cut will be re-added to the roster. So a few of the surprises, like Everson Griffin in Minnesota, potentially Jacob Hollister, the, the supposed tight end two in Buffalo, a few others will ultimately be re-signed now that this is technically the in-season rosters. Um, but we have a good idea of the players that will not be initially on a 53-man roster. The practice squads are going to be gigantic. And don't forget, practice squad power rankings will be back every Friday at CBS Sports. I'm the founder of it. I love doing it. My third season, I cannot believe it. And it's amazing for me that the practice squads are extended. I believe they're out to 14 or 16 players. I probably should get on that to know the exact number. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to have... Uh, all the depth charts up with every single practice squad. I'm going to scour those during the week, give you the practice squad power rankings every single Friday during the season at CBSSports.com. Honestly, it's my favorite article to write every single week. I love the deep dive analysis, the draft stuff once we really get going into the fall, young player evaluations, watching how players develop from their time as rookies or prospects. But nothing is more fun to actually write and decide on a rankings every week than the practice squad power rankings. Every single Friday at CBS Sports, I'll be writing that article for the third consecutive year. It's so much fun. But anyway, let's talk about the cuts tracker that I ran over the past couple of days at CBSSports.com. It wasn't the comprehensive NFL cuts tracker. Uh, some of the other staff writers, Jeff Kerr, uh, Jordan Dejani, I believe – did a great job for CBSSports.com following and scouring Twitter and writing down every single player that was cut by all 32 teams. The tracker that I ran pinpointed the players that I believed were the most worthy of being added by another team after being released. And some were waived, and the difference between being waived and released, you're waived when you have four or fewer years in the NFL, and that's when you are, just like in your fantasy football league, subjected to waivers. And those claims will come in later today, Wednesday afternoon, to see which teams put in waiver claims for whoever uh, meets the requirements of a, not only being cut, but also being a relatively young player in the NFL within the first four seasons as a professional and the waiver uh, order, the waiver wire is determined by the draft order. So the Jacksonville Jaguars and New York jets at the top of that list, of course, to sign whoever they want. And those are two rosters that I think need some help, especially in Jacksonville also with the jets. Um, but then any other player that has more than four years accrued in the NFL, they're free agents. They can decide where they want to go. 
They don't have to sign anywhere. They don't get, they're not the property of a team, so to speak. Uh, someone like Cam Newton is not going to get claimed. Someone like, uh, who else? There's obviously a bunch. Older players are not getting claimed, but Cam Newton, to me, just because of his um, pedigree, his experience, what he's done in the league, and more importantly for the present day, what he showed in the preseason was the headliner, of course, and probably the player most worthy of being signed, um, coming off being a surprising cut on Tuesday. That was the biggest name drop of the cutdown day, and it's not shocking that Bill Belichick was behind this. I mean, he has been notoriously uh, bold and emotionless when it comes to trading away players, cutting players when no one expects it. He's done that his entire career as a the head coach of the New England Patriots, and this was the latest in that long line of those pretty controversial or at least headline-grabbing decisions that Bill Belichick made. But I want to kind of zero in more, not to just talk about Cam Newton, on the some of the younger players, guys that I had draft crushes on, players who did actually flash a little bit when they've gotten an opportunity, whether that has been in the preseason or in their first couple of years in the regular season. Two players that I had on the cuts tracker, with which is still up at CBSSports.com. The headline is... NFL roster cuts 2021, Cam Newton headlines, newly released players who should be priorities on the open market. Two players that I had initially when the cuts were starting to trickle in, but we didn't have full team cuts. Marcel Aitman, seventh round pick in 2018 by the then Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders, and Elijah Holyfield from the Eagles. I liked both of those players as prospects more so than where they were drafted. Elijah Holyfield wasn't even drafted. He looked very good in that final season at Georgia as the running mate to DeAndre Swift, went over 1,000 yards, averaged over five yards per carry, looked very light-footed, and the vision was fantastic. The power was there. Then at the Combine and at the Georgia Pro Day, he just didn't test like an NFL-caliber athlete. What I think is fascinating about Elijah Holyfield, and for as much as I – just a quick aside here. It's fascinating about Elijah Holyfield that he falls into this category of players who just don't test like NFL caliber athletes, but are much more athletic and springy and or fast on the football field. Like, and for as much as I'm a huge believer in looking at the quantifiable data and saying, "Hey, look, this guy's broad jump and his forty and his three cone are just." There's just not been a lot of players really at all at his position recently or in recent memory who have become even decent backups. There are a few occasions where players who don't test very well are very explosive on the football field. The two that instantly pop into my head while I'm recording this podcast, Antonio Brown and Michael Bennett. Go look up their pro days and their combines. Atrocious. Bad. Michael Bennett was an undrafted free agent. Antonio Brown was picked in the sixth round. They're both stars. Obviously, Michael Bennett's not around anymore, but during his time in Seattle, he was really, really good. He was one of the best, most versatile pass rushers in football. And, of course, Antonio Brown is a perennial all-pro during the prime of his career, and he's still kicking in Tampa. 
Elijah Holyfield kind of felt like that. He averaged 4.3 yards per carry in the preseason, forced a bunch of missed tackles. The yards per attempt average was pretty good. I took him off ultimately once we got more cuts in because it just felt like there were more players that were a little more worthy of, of being high priorities, so to speak, on the open market. But and part of the reason why I, I took Elijah Holyfield off was it's the running back position. And these running backs get are so interchangeable and they get tossed around and they get workouts during the season and they're the emergency running back three. And occasionally, when given an opportunity, they hit. Or even if it's for a couple of weeks, they contribute. I just took him off because I felt, man, there's so many running backs that were cut today that probably have more of an athletic pedigree than Elijah Holyfield, but he has been productive when he's been given an opportunity to play. And Marcel Aitman, and that's, of course, been in the preseason in in Philadelphia, started in Carolina. Marcel Aitman, seventh-round pick in 2018, like I said, wide receiver. He's a big body guy. He's 6'4", 220, done pretty well in contested catch situations, just been very low volume. When the... Raiders have given him opportunities. Mostly that's been due to injury. Aitman has produced, and that's part of the reason why early in the morning when some of those cuts were coming in, I was like, okay, like, yeah, right now Marcel Aitman deserves to be on this list because in 2019, again, in in very minimal uh, playing time, he had five catches for 116 yards. The year before that, as a rookie, 15 catches for 154 yards and a touchdown. And he was playing like after there was a litany of injuries in that Raiders receiver room. But he produced. And that's really all you can ask for. He's 11 of or he's five of eleven in contested catch situations, which is actually a decent rate. Maybe you would like that to be a little bit higher, seeing that that was his specialty at Oklahoma State. I just think as a wide receiver four or five, if you want to run a lot of wide receiver sets in today's NFL, if that's the type of team that you are and you want a big body, Marcel Aitman can be someone that plays in the league. He's proven that. Not to an immense degree at high volume, but I want to talk about those two. They're still relatively young. 2018 was the first draft class that I scouted at CBS Sports. So I kind of have a, a thing for players from that 2018 draft class. A few other young players that I want to highlight in this podcast. And I'll kind of bounce around in terms of draft class. I, I, I wasn't sure whether to go chronologically, most recent players. And, and there were a few 2021 picks that were caught yesterday. But I'll bounce around. I'll start with Des Fitzpatrick, one of those 2021 draft picks that was caught yesterday. A round four selection by the Titans, and they traded up for Des Fitzpatrick. Now, I think he's very polished. He played on the outside almost predominantly, exclusively at Louisville, especially later in his career. He's almost six foot two, almost 210 pounds, so he's got a taller, kind of sleek frame. Ran 4.49 at the Combine. And was consistently getting open at Louisville and hitting big plays. As a senior, he almost averaged 20 yards per catch on 43 receptions. 
And even as a freshman, he wasn't just dominating when he was 22, 45 catches for 699 yards in 2017. So we know the Titans want to be this grounded pound team with Derrick Henry. They like Makai Sargent, who I actually really had a thing for early on in the draft process from Iowa. It's good that he made that team. And I know they have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, but it's a little surprising. You trade up early on day three for a wide receiver, and then he does not make your team initially. I mean, he's almost assured to be a – practice squad candidate and again most of these players will be because practice squads are out to well above double digits but for him to not even make the team was a little bit strange especially because he had three grabs for 58 yards and a touchdown in the preseason so it's not like he was invisible in the exhibition games I liked him I had him graded right in like round four and that's where he was ultimately picked Moving on to another player who was also released by the Titans, began his NFL career just a few months ago with the Atlanta Falcons, running back J.V. and Hawkins. And the connection, J.V. and Hawkins, was Des Fitzpatrick's teammate at Louisville. What's weird is, is that J.V. and Hawkins was released a couple weeks ago by the Falcons, and the Titans like picked him up immediately. And then they release him on cutdown day, which is, I guess, not crazy unusual but for a first wave of cuts player to be quickly signed by another team to get in a preseason game and then to have him be cut right after that is a little strange now with Hawkins I get it because he's 5'8 and 180 pounds 85 pounds and uh there's not a big threshold for or there's not many teams that will like a running back at that size, there's there's thresholds mostly around 200 pounds that teams like to see for the running backs. But I think similar to almost every position in the NFL, that threshold of 200 pounds should start to be decreasing at this point for the running back spot. That you don't necessarily need to be that big because it is a space game. And if you're really twitchy and you, you have good vision, and especially in the run game, if you have good speed and can hit those big plays where if a team is going to say fine we're going to run and that certainly wouldn't be the case for the titans they want to run but as more teams understand running is not as efficient as passing but we want to just hit big plays every once in a while in our run game kyle shanahan i think is the forerunner in doing so with adding so much speed to his running back group i think you don't need to be 200 pounds to play running back anymore and the Titans gave JV and Hawkins 10 carries in the final preseason game against the Bears. He took those for 49 yards and had a touchdown. One of them was a 10-plus yard gain. And he forced a missed tackle. And honestly, 2.8 yards after contact per rush is pretty good. For being 5'8", he's listed at 5'9", 196, but at the Louisville Pro Day, he was just under 5'9", in in the 185-pound range. I thought he was worth like a sixth-round pick because he is extremely explosive. I think he's faster than the 4'4", 6", that he ran at the Louisville Pro Day. 
I thought like the Louisville's pro day was like slow because Tutu Atwell ran somewhere like in the four fours and he seemed extremely fast. What did Tutu Atwell run? Let me see. Yeah, four three nine. I I think Tutu Atwell's even faster than that. His vi- like I thought Javian Hawkins' vision was good. Like he was definitely diminutive on the field, but to have a season in twenty nineteen that he carried the full workload, 264 carries for over 1,500 rushing yards with nine touchdowns, you would look at those stats and say, this is a feature back. And you see him, you watch the film and say, oh, 5'8", 183, nah, it's too small. I'm trying to get him on my roster. In that jet sweep, bubble screen role, and also with the philosophy that I was mentioning earlier, hey, we're going to – have a feature back. We're going to have a guy that has traditional running back size, but we also just want to hit like a few big plays every once in a while in our run game. We don't want to average four, necessarily four yards per carry on the ground and every carry is four yards. We want to hit some. We'll take a couple negative plays if we can get a 50-yard play. And I think Javian Hawkins is one of the decently rare running backs that can hit those home runs. Now, flipping over to defense and away from Louisville, edge rusher Rondell Carter was an undrafted free agent by the Cowboys last year. In his final season at James Madison, 12 sacks and 27 tackles for loss. So that, of course, put him on the draft radar. We didn't really get a workout from him. He was not invited to the combine or... Did not work out at the James Madison Pro Day, so we weren't really sure like how athletic is this guy. I remember watching his film late and seeing someone that was listed at like 6'3 and 270. He was powerful. Not insane speed to the quarterback, like closing speed, but first step quickness and quickness to power. Like that first step was good. There was burst, and his bull rush, his hands shocked a lot of offensive linemen. Of course. He's playing on the FCS level, so he wasn't facing future NFL tackles. But what also was interesting beyond the size, 6'3", 270-ish, the power that he demonstrated, and of course the production, Rondell Carter did get a shot with the Cowboys last year. And he generated three pressures on 15 pass rushing snaps. So, of course, tiny, tiny, tiny sample size, but at least it wasn't no pressures on 15 pass rushing snaps. There was some glimmer of hope that he could actually turn into something with that type of start. And weirdly, in late September, the Colts signed him off the Cowboys practice squad, which last year, more so than ever, we did not really see players getting poached from other clubs' practice squads in the middle of a pandemic with all the procedural stuff that had to go into coming into a new city and the COVID test and took five days for you to be able to be around people and all that. But the Colts did that. They kept him on their active roster, their 53-man roster. He was never active on game day. He was always, for all five games, he was a healthy scratch But then this preseason back in Dallas, Carter had 11 pressures on 96 pass rushing snaps. That's 11.4% pressure creation rate. That's pretty darn good. 
but he didn't make the Cowboys roster, and I don't have any idea why. I think beyond Demarcus Lawrence, this is a team that needs pass rushing help. Like, there's not anyone that super stands out at this point. And for a team that was so, in terms of being a quality pass rusher, and for a team that was so bad defensively and the secondary wasn't good and a lot of people pointed to the fact that the pass rush wasn't very good or consistent and it wasn't super deep, why would you not hang on to someone like Rondell Carter? If you want a developmental guy that's a high-motor player that's probably pretty close to being NFL strong, maybe slim him down a little bit to add a little bit more quickness, Rondell Carter can be that guy. Going back to offense, one of the biggest uh, head-scratchers from yesterday, and it wasn't a marquee name, Carson Green, the offensive tackle released by the Houston Texans. Now, of course, I understand that Houston is, with Nick Casario at the helm, Jack Easterby doing whatever he's doing. I don't know if he's sure what he's doing at the helm. They're in a rebuilding process. They're probably kind of sort of trying to tank. I may write something on the fact that I believe what the Texans were doing in free agency, signing like 50 players and a bunch of like mid-level to low-level veterans to one-year deals. They were just hoping to like trade them right now, like either during training camp, the preseason, or right before cutdown day to get fifth and sixth and seventh round picks back because they want to just have a ton of picks in the next couple of drafts after not having a first or a second rounder. And then, of course, all the issues they're in with Deshaun Watson. But Carson Green, who I had a fourth-round grade on coming out of Texas A&M just a few months ago, he allowed one pressure of Texans quarterbacks on 44 pass-blocking snaps in the preseason. This is someone that played at Texas A&M 40 starts on a Jimbo Fisher coach team and even from his time in Florida State, Jimbo Fisher had a reputation of not just developing quarterbacks to go in the first round or running backs. The offense alignment were always, like during the Jameis Winston era and before, they were NFL ready. Dan Moore got picked by the Steelers way earlier in the draft. They have a guard, Kenyon Green, who's going to go at least be a top 100 pick, if not earlier in next year's draft. Carson Green, for some reason, went undrafted and then looked like someone that belonged probably in the fourth round. And why it doesn't make sense for the Texans, even if they're rebuilding and they're tanking and they are only looking at draft picks, why would you not keep a rookie undrafted free agent that's making essentially no money by NFL standards at a critical position like offensive tackle that has plagued you for so long? Who knows what the future is with Deshaun Watson, whether he's your quarterback, probably not this year, but next year or he's not, you're going to need and you're looking for a franchise quarterback and you're going to need him to be protected well. So it made no sense to see, hey, look at this guy, undrafted free agent we discovered. He's got the length. He tested like a high caliber athlete at the Texas A&M Pro Day. And then he played well in the preseason and they release him. That just made absolutely no sense to me. It was the latest evidence of the Texans being the Texans. Few others scrolling up through my list here. 
Tyrell Crosby, another offensive tackle. Detroit Lions caught him. He was a fifth-round pick in 2018, above-average athleticism for the position. This one makes a little bit more sense just from a logistics standpoint because we always see when a new head coach and a new GM come in, these type of players, solid backups, late-round selections that were not picked by that head coach or GM are usually on the chopping block. Crosby has started over 1,000 snaps in the regular season. Most of them at right tackles played a little left tackle when Taylor Decker was hurt. He's been pretty good. And he's improved. He didn't play a lot as a rookie when 20, I believe he was injured. 2019, his pressure allowance rate was 8.2, which is not fantastic. And it dropped down to 4.7% last year when he assumed even a larger role on the Lions offensive line. So I, I, I get it a little bit more so for the Lions than I do the Carson Green release by the Houston Texans. But Tyrell Crosby in a league that needs quality depth at tackle, he should be a hot commodity. He, he was injured during training camp in the preseason, but he needs to be signed by a team if the Lions are just not willing to keep him at this point. Someone in a similar situation because an injury played a factor, Daz Newsome. He was, man... I adored Daz, like I adored Daz Newsome. He was my draft crush. He was my trust the tape prospect in the, the 2021 class. I don't always have one. Sometimes I have one. Sometimes I have two or three. I don't usually go much further than that. And what I mean by trust the tape prospect is Daz Newsome looked like a high caliber athlete at the slot position. His releases off the line. His Breaks out of his stem, running routes, creating separation with good regularity, vision after the catch, uh, man, elusiveness with the football in his hands, burst, downfield speed. I didn't think he was going to run 4-3 and have a 45-inch vertical, but he tested like horrifically. I don't know if he didn't get proper training. He was sick. He was out late the night before the UNC Pro Day, but he tested really bad, and that's why he went in the sixth round. But he's a great returner, and I think I love to see that with a wide receiver. If they are a really good return man and it were dynamic returning kicks like Daz Newsom was in college, it translates, of course, after the catch. And that's not just me thinking that's always the case. You would, could see it with Daz Newsom at North Carolina catching a drag route, catching a screen, a slant. He would instantly turn into a returner and was just a nightmare to tackle because he was so elusive. There was good contact balance there and the burst that you want to see from a slot receiver. In 2019, he went over 1,000 yards with 10 touchdowns. He still caught 54 passes last year and scored six times on a team that wanted to feature Devontae Williams and Michael Carter, justifiably so. He broke his collarbone like in the spring, but he came back and actually participated a little bit in the Bears preseason. I think the Bears, of course, will probably try to keep him, seeing that he was a sixth-round pick by them just a few months ago. But if a team wants a slot receiver who gives you some return ability and return upside, look for Daz Newsom on that open market. Make a claim. Put in that waiver claim. One other player I wanted to discuss... Tyron Johnson, another wide receiver. Clearly, I have a thing for wide receivers, but it's a wide receiver league. 
It's a quarterback league, but it's also a wide receiver league. This completely baffled me. And this is not, I guess I didn't mean for this to be a podcast just bashing these teams, but I just don't understand this. This is up there with the Carson Green release by the Houston Texans. Last year, Tyron Johnson only played 22.4% of the Chargers' offensive snaps. But he had 20 catches for almost 400 receiving yards with three touchdowns. Seven of his 20 catches went for over 20 yards. And this wasn't just he got lucky and got schemed open. He ran 4-3-6 at the Oklahoma State Pro Day in 2019. And I think the worst thing you can do when you have a young quarterback is get rid of his weapons. Of course, there's Keenan Allen. There's Josh Palmer, the third-round pick, who the Chargers like a lot, and I liked a lot too. Mike Williams is kind of that underrated wide receiver too. Austin Eckler is there. They lose Hunter Henry. They did sign Jared Cook. But what's what's the point in releasing Tyron Johnson? He gives you that downfield element to your team that I think every team needs. There is Jalen Guyton, who also had a similar 2020, and he's probably the guy that ultimately beat out Tyron Johnson, unless I missed that he was cut too, but I didn't see that yesterday. But with Keenan Allen, you have your possession guy, who averaged under 10 yards per catch last year. Mike Williams is your rebounder. K.J. Hill, I guess he runs decent routes, but he's a low-level athlete. They cut Joe Reed, who's great after the catch. His contact balance is like a running back's. They're really banking on Josh Palmer to be that intermediate guy, but where's the deep threat? Where's What happens if Jalen Guyton gets injured? And, of course, being that he's so young and, not, and doesn't have a ton of experience, Tyron Johnson will probably be signed to the Chargers practice squad if he's not signed by another team. But in a league that is all about not just quarterbacks and receivers, but hitting splash plays, a team that needs a vertical threat should look into Tyron Johnson. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening to the Prospect Podcast. Pretty soon I'll move to, I hope, two episodes per week once we really get going. I'm so excited for the college football season this weekend. And then, of course, the start of the NFL week one the weekend of September 10th and 11th. It's going to be a blast. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Chris Trapasso. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Prospect Podcast.